Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wes keeping us from getting the show going on because we're still talking <laughs> about top five rappers. We, we got all sorts of music talking conversation going Hammer, on. Hammer, but, but we do have to re- make sure that the people know boss man Jeff Rickard, as he's walking out of the studio, bars. decided to give us some bars and give us some Sugar Hill Gang saying, hey, who... He asked you, Wes, who are your top five rappers all time? And you gave him some of your answers and how hard it is. Of course, it's really tough. And then you mentioned, and then he said, you know what my favorite is? And then he said, I got a color TV so I can see the Knicks playing basketball. And, oh! <laughs> but, <laughs> now, that's that's Curtis Blow, right? No, Ain't that bars from basketball, that Sugar Hill Gang? No, that's not Curtis Blow. Oh, Sugar, you Sugar said Hill, Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar, yeah, Sugar Hill Gang is was those lyrics. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I'm. So that was like '79. That was like the first mainstream hip hop hit. And then you had some different hip hop heads say it's weird because it's like kind of lame, but it did catch the most commercial success. And then Curtis Blow was coming in right after that. So like that's the same era. Gotcha. But but yeah, so that no, that was that rapper's delight. That, oh, that was that well, was. Don't at me, y'all. I mean, I do like rapper's delight and all that, but no, I don't know the lyrics by heart outside side of the ones everybody knows that hippie hip hop and all uh, that. yeah but for sure i mean yeah <laughs> it's, it's not like i have rapper's delight in the rotation but we definitely know rapper's delight fitty you had something you wanted to say oh yeah i've got audio of jeff rickard singing uh megging trainer lyrics and i want y'all to give a, a great okay. on this right here okay okay i like the way this is starting out yeah, Go ahead. three two one <laughs> First, you're going to say you ain't running game, thinking I'm believing every word. (laughs) Call me beautiful, so original. Telling me I'm not cute like other guys. (laughs) (laughs) He's not singing. Jeff needs to come back in and commit or give us some bars to Rapper's Delight. Play that one more time, man. First, you're going to say you ain't running game, thinking I'm believing every word. Call me beautiful, so original. Telling me I'm not cute like other guys. What is that from? That's not the only Megan Trainer song I think I know. I think this is right. Is I'm all about that bass, right? Yeah. Isn't that her? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't tell you I'm well versed in the catalog of Megan Trainer. More so, even I mean I could tell honestly probably not more about Sugar Hill Gang, but I, I know about um, as much as both of those. I do love what Jeff Rickard just brought to us though. So that that's how we're leading off. That's it's always great when you have the. Uh, the, the the lyrics from the boss man leading us off in a very packed show here today because we do have a lot of Carolina Panther head coaching conversation coming about. Scott Fitterer told us that there wasn't going to be a large group of candidates that they were going to consider. But the pool of candidates does seem to be growing. So just to update everybody, had oh, here, 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 here you go. go. Let's hop on it. Yeah, first He's of all, in. Kudos to Fiddy for doing what a good producer should do and taking something completely out of context. <laughs> Excellent. And plugging it in saying, hey, how about this? Yep. <laughs> What's second of all? 
Did you want to rap? Is that second of all? No, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Look, I've had I've had enough in public embarrassment for one day. <laughs> it's, uh, I liked it. I thought it was fantastic. I wanted to bring it back. If, and if you want to, just know and that again, you always have the open mind. Out of context, the point of it was to make you laugh and make you turn your heads, which you did. Uh, perfect. No, that's uh, I. I honestly think that's how you sing. Though I think you're going to go home. You're going to put on some Megan Trainer after a long the hard words day at work. Jeff Rickard and Sing have never been uttered together in uh, the same. Now sentence. they are. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You got some sweet pipes you sound like fergie and jesus is what you sound like you can text in 704-570-9610 that's the garage door guru text line 704-570-9610 all right we have the way too early college football top 25 early acc predictions plus we still have grant leonard to come on with us here in just a few minutes 15 minutes from now the head coach of queen's men's basketball playing extremely well in their first year moving up from Division Two to Division One, They have a game tomorrow night against Central Arkansas, the middle of their three-game homestand. Going to be a lot of fun. Go out, watch Queens basketball. It is a excellent brand. It is so much fun. And like, Walker, okay, we get it. They're not even the biggest school here in the city, but they are as fun a basketball product as there is. Bart Lundy started it. Grant Leonard bringing along that baton to a very successful start in D1. So going to be talking with him in just a few minutes. You wanted to say something? You were shaking your head. You were excited. I was like just nodding our, my head because uh, Bart Lundy is one of the things that you and I first bonded on way back when. And now we've got the guy that's succeeding him who's doing a great job at Queens. Are you on the call for tomorrow night's game? I will be. Yes, sir. Yep. That and Saturday's game as well. Can and you then- get us in the gym? Honestly, yeah, if you want. I got the hookup, man. Okay. Yeah. Name dropping Grant Leonard. Oh, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hot stuff around here. What do you wear to the games? Because it's on ESPN. It's a great... We. It's, it's funny because we, we probably do need to get in some stuff, but, but that's fine. It, I, I'm. It's not that I'm breaking the mold I'm of fashion. I'm interested in that as well. Well, what, so what I do, I'll go with the suit. Okay. But other times, I'll also go with just like a pullover... And still wear a button-up shirt and then a um, and a tie. Sometimes I won't wear a tie. Like, I try to ever so slightly break the mold of what we need to wear for 30 seconds on a broadcast. Because if you aren't familiar with these ESPN Plus broadcasts, you're on the air for 30 seconds. Your, your face is shown the first basically half a minute. And then it's all about the game. And then there's no post-game or anything like that. You have very, you know... I don't know, limited time to finish your thoughts, and then you're done. The camera does not go back on to you. The only time that you're seeing anything but the game is maybe some interviews afterwards with sideline reporter Kat Biancardi oftentimes helping us out on the sideline. And so that's about it. So we're getting dressed up and we're only being seen 30 seconds. So mm. I, I somewhat, I mean, I still want to be professional, but also like, okay, maybe instead of the jacket, I'll just bring a pullover on or something like that. So that's kind of what see, I roll I want to see some of the suit stuff, man. You got to start taking some pregame picks. Well, the problem is, man, the suit game. You my only body, have one of them, right? My body is so weird. Well, I have one that I really like, and so I bring <laughs> it out a lot. Yeah. I have a couple. Yeah. I have a couple of suits. But the jacket, my, my. Does your girl help you, like, pick out your combos no. or anything like that no i mean it's all me look i i like to dabble in fashion for sure okay it's just all about money no, oh, that's true so but I then mean, you can still you can still get jiggy though on a on a dollar oh yeah and yeah. i i like to i like to think that i do okay. I like, because i asked i asked my my dad for uh-huh. some suits and suit money basically because you got to get fitted yeah. you know and i asked him for some suit money for it to go to that fund because i wanted to up the game a little bit 
you know, appearing on TV a little bit more, doing the college basketball thing. So that's what I was doing. But also, I don't want to wear a jacket every single broadcast that we have. Gotcha. So that's the fashion. Okay. And that's the end of that story. I assumed you just wore the one shirt you always wear out when you do remote broadcast to go out and call Queens basketball. Oh, that that led to your excellent. Hey, here comes one shirt guy. <laughs> Look at this guy. Does he even wear any other shirt? Does he have one in his closet? And there goes Fiddy coughing because that's what he does when he laughs all the time. All right, let's get to it. Finally, we're set up. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. Mm, put the I jacket on. So here are the candidates that the Carolina Panthers have either interviewed or requested an interview with. The list is growing and growing. We already know Steve Wilkes, who had that interview yesterday. We gave you an inside look at what was happening at Bank of America Stadium with Wes Bryant being Steve Wilkes, me and Fiddy being Scott Fitter and David Tepper. But, of course, not only Steve Wilkes. You still have Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator in the mix. You have the Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. We'll give you profiles on those guys later on in the show. Ken Dorsey, former Panther QB coach, now Bills play caller, and Giants offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka. There was another name added about an hour ago. How about Kellen Moore is added to the list, offensive coordinator for Dallas, and Jim Caldwell also a part of this list. I don't believe I forgot anybody. The list continues to grow, but what do you think of the offensive minds here, Wes? My question to you, does it seem like Steve Wilkes is losing steam to become this head coach with him being the only defensive guy and everyone else being of the offensive mind? I was just about to ask you the same thing. I was going to say, do you think that he is losing momentum like you asked me? And I think, yeah. I mean, the fact that they keep bringing in all of these candidates, I mean, maybe they just want to try to be thorough in their search before they decide on Coach Wilkes or like you said, with the fact that they're bringing in a lot of these young offensive types that it's not looking good as far as for Coach Wilkes because we're seeing a trend here and it's starting to kind of show what they want. What it sounds like, what it looks like is happening is David Tepper fired Matt Rule because he kind of had to. It had gotten to the breaking point. Fans were happy when Matt Rule was fired, and a lot of those fans didn't even want Matt Rule to come on board for that third season. He changed the OC, he gets another shot, but it doesn't last very long, so he's gone. Steve Wilkes, by far the most respected coach on that staff at that point, to come in and man the responsibility of being head coach because you weren't going to give it to Ben McAdoo. People were mad at him at the time, and plus it went horribly wrong for him being the head coach up at the Giants, so you weren't going to give that interim tag to Ben McAdoo. Wilkes was clearly the guy to give it to. We called it then, and it ended up happening. But David Tepper, once he made that move, seems like he already had his mind made up. Once this season was over, you were going to go after an offensive guy. And he said, as we've gone back to time and time again, that Steve Wilkes had to do an incredible job. Well, maybe he didn't feel 500 with that group was, quote, an incredible job. And all he wanted to do was get through this season so he can make the changes he wanted to. And what he's telling you through all of these candidates that are being interviewed is that he's he wants an offensive-minded guy, whether that be an offensive coordinator with maybe not that much experience. Shane Steichen, few years. Ben Johnson, one year as a play caller at 36 years old with the Lions. Mike Kafka. 
after spending a lot of time with the Chiefs, only one year really with Brian Dayball and the Giants offense, and not even the play caller, if I'm not mistaken. I think that is Brian Dayball who's still cooking that up up there. So, yeah, he wants an offensive-minded guy, Wes. At this point, we were discussing 50-50. The more we go on, what, 25-75? Steve Wilkes gets the job, and 75 going to all the other offensive minds. Yeah, I mean, he's looking around the league. You know, he's seeing the scores. He's seeing these teams doing dynamic stuff. He's looking at Detroit on fourth down, do a hook and ladder play. He's seeing all of these things going on, and he wants that. He wants an exciting product because guess what? An exciting product is great for your bottom line as far as staying in the black with that Skrilla. So, so yeah, so he's looking all around the league at that. He, he envisions a new quarterback. Uh, maybe Will Levis, the guy that he really likes. He's envisioning all those things with an offensive coordinator, lighting up the scoreboard, lighting up the Queen City, and that's what he's feeling. Let's go to the Cowboys fan with Kellen Moore being the latest add to this group. I know you are not a fan of your Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator and therefore probably wouldn't be um, a stamp of approval from you, Fiddy, if he was the head coach here. No, he's a, a mixture of Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy, and that means an average to that best football coach. His game planning from a week-to-week basis is inconsistent. His ability to make in-game adjustments is awful. He's not very creative, and he looks he looks like... <laughs> what does he look like? He looks like a real-life character out of a Peanuts comic. That's what he looks like. <laughs> he looks like a kid. He calls plays like a kid. He's not going to be able to command a locker room like Steve Wilkes can. I wanted to know where you were going with that as soon as you started, he looks like, because it took a long time I to get to I think his brain just had an overload from all the insults he wanted to hurl at him, but he knew that he couldn't say it on the air, so he was fumbling trying to figure out what he wanted to say. He was combing through curse words and <laughs> right. FCC violations yeah. to get to a Peanuts character. Yeah, that right. was the one that was really good. That's almost as bad as one shirt. Those yeah. two insults at the top of your game, all time in my time knowing you. It's Wes and Walker we're off and rolling. Let's talk about some college basketball coming up next and really in the third segment here in the first hour as well with North Carolina falling to Virginia. We'll get to that as well. But Queens men's basketball, they take on Central Arkansas Scotty Pippen University tomorrow night. We'll discuss that with the head coach Grant Leonard joining us in just a moment. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can feel free and text in to the Garage Door Guru text line. The number to text is 704-570-9610. We'll get to some college basketball right now and welcome the Queens men's basketball head coach, Grant Leonard, on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, taking a big jump from Division Two to Division One and doing an excellent job doing so. About 12-5 and five overall, their record is right now, 2-2, two and two, and what's a really tough conference. Coach, we really appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And it's been a nice success for you this year, Coach. And if you look at it, I mean, pretty interesting situation you're put in because previous coach Bart Lundy, all of this success, one of your better friends, 
leaves for Milwaukee. And then here you are not only taking over as a head coach, but you're taking over during this transition from division two to division one. And here you have a 70% winning percentage as it stands right now. How, how does it differ? What reality is how you've endured this season compared to what your expectation uh, expectations were like, what's the biggest difference between those two? Well, you know, I tried to not have anything crazy expectation wise other than the, stay grounded and really believe in the players that we had coming back. I thought the most important thing was, was to try and make sure that they believe they belong at this level. Cause I did. And, uh, our expectations are to trying to compete for a conference championship. And, and some people might think that's lofty, but that's just what all we know here. So we're just trying to stay in that hunt. Well, and, and coach for me, you know, talking about Queens basketball for a while, right? I've been somewhat on the call for about four years now, and we finally somewhat get tangible evidence as how would this team perform on a Division One level? Because you really have all the same players that have come about, right? Like Kenny Dye transitions with you, A.J. McKee, all of the core of your squad, except maybe a Jamari Smith, who was awesome last year, and transfers. But we get to see these players in D2 make this jump and have this type of winning percentage. How... How much better has it been or how much easier has it been to undergo this transition with all of the guys that you had last year sticking around? Well, I think that's one thing that's rare in college basketball is continuity. And with the transfer portal, uh, amongst other things, guys and rosters very rarely stay complete. And we did. And I think that's been our hugest advantage this year. And it's made my transition as a coach a lot easier because I know them. And I believed in them because I was one who primarily recruited most of the guys, but they believed in me too, because I've been there, you know, through the battles with them. And I think that's been our biggest advantage as a team's going, going through the beginning of this year. Coach Leonard, Wes Bryant here. What has been the biggest difference to you as far as just, has there been a huge jump in athleticism or, or schemes or the, the, the talent of the coaches you've been going against since you moved from division two to division one? No, I think I think coaches at all levels are are excellent coaches, but I do think the size, the length, and the weight of the human beings that we've been playing has been bigger. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, the the our league especially, um, there just seems to be a ton. We we seem to be at a disadvantage. Um, weight, you know, the guy that they're guarding, we seem to be a little bit lighter than them, and we seem to have a little bit uh, less of a wingspan. Uh, something that going forward we will have to address in recruiting uh, long term. But our players seem to be able to play at a little higher pace because Division Two typically has more possessions in a game, uh, and we typically spread the floor and shoot a few more threes than than most of our Division One counterparts. What's been the biggest benefit? Do you feel like to your program overall making that jump and then also being in the A Sun Conference? Uh, the A Sun Conference, first of all, so, so forward thinking, but the 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 distinct unique style of play like Bellarmine and Lipscomb are so different than for instance, we're going to see central Arkansas and North Alabama. Uh, and I think the league is just so diverse and, and there's some teams like J- Jacksonville university that just have giant bigs and they roll it in. And then North Florida, who's similar to us is going to spread the floor and shoot a lot of threes. So that's, that's an interesting part of the a sun. Um, but the biggest benefit to our guys, but also our school has been the notoriety. You know, we're, we're becoming the front porch of the university athletics is, uh, and we're starting to get some national recognition and not just regional or in the state. And I think that was the reason we made the move to division one is to put a bigger spotlight on the university overall. 
Queens men's basketball coach Grant Leonard joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, would you say your identity has changed as a team transitioning to Division One, or do you think it's the same as it has been in years past? No, you know, it's it's, it's stayed exactly the same identity-wise. You know, uh, we're still actually, it's, it's funny, as, as I mentioned earlier, we're smaller than most teams, but we're leading the league in rebounding, rebounding margin, uh, offensive rebounds per game, and offensive rebound rate. Uh, and we've been a team that's proud of, prided ourselves on that. Uh, and then we still spread the floor uh, and try and attack teams downhill. Um, so our identity as a team has stayed very similar to what it's been. And I think that's just what who we are uh, and what our personalities are like. So we're going to stick to that. Well, I mean, Coach, it's been a lot of fun still, right? I mean, you're still winning a high volume of games. You mentioned how tough the conference is. Every time you call a game in the opposition, their record, the losses that come their way, it's against top 25 ranked schools, and it's always only a 10-point deficit that your opposition has suffered against an Indiana, against even some of these other big-time programs. And what's unfortunate is you guys have to wait. So even if you have an opportunity to get to the NCAA tournament by winning the conference, especially with the competition here you guys have to wait for a while how frustrating is that despite making this jump which is great for the university how frustrating is it to have to wait to appear in some postseason basketball beyond what might just be a conference tourney well you know there's there's a little loophole in that and this is good news you know and we're hoping that we 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 win enough games we get an invite but the, the college basketball College Basketball Insider, the CBI, uh, and also the CIT are both options for our team to play in. We just can't play in the NCAA or the NIT. Um, so, our, you know, our guys are just looking to compete and try and win championships. You know, we went down to Jamaica and we're able to win our MTE in Jamaica. And if we get an opportunity to get invited to one of those tournaments, we'll take it. Um, I know it's not the NCAA tournament, but we're going to do the best with what we can for these first couple of years. Coach, I've talked a lot about the players transitioning with you. If people are not familiar with Kenny Dye, they need to get familiar right away, averaging 17 points per game. The guy is going to set all sorts of records with Queens men's basketball, starting just a bajillion, especially with the extra year because of COVID. So I, I don't know if, if he's going to uh, ever, that, that record's ever going to be broken as far as the games played, some of the, the starts that he has under his belt. How much has he meant to the program? I mean, uh, uh, so much, and I don't even know that you can describe all of it in words, but, you know, he started off as a freshman and, and, and was a starting point guard on a team that went 31-5 and five and went to the Elite Eight. Uh, he's been through multiple 31 seasons. He's helped us transition to, to Division One. He's our leading scorer, leading assist guy. Uh, he's going to go down as the all-time leading, most likely, if, if he's on the current trajectory he is, the all-time leading scorer, assist guy, wins, and games played in school history, but it'll probably be either second or third in steals. And just that, that what he's done on the court, but what he's done for our team, creating a legacy uh, of work, um, has been truly amazing to watch. Well, and last thing before we get you out of here, we talked a little bit yesterday just about the freedom you not only allow your team, but maybe even specifically more so to someone like Kenny Dye. Absolutely, the quarterback of this team and the offense. Is that the biggest difference between you and Bart Lundy, who coached this team for quite a while? Because I know both of you had very similar schemes, but do you feel like you give your team a little bit more freedom, whereas maybe Coach Lundy was wanting to call more plays? 
Yeah, I think that's you know, other than I have a full head of hair and he's bald. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the you know, and and Coach Lundy's an unbelievable coach, but he definitely um, offensively didn't play as much in flow and allow guys to make reads. And, and I do, uh, but but just small small difference to be honest with you, because our schemes are very similar. Um, and he was an unbelievable mentor to me and a close friend. But he, he obviously is doing exceptionally well in Milwaukee, and I'm really happy for him. Uh, but I'm very fortunate to learn, you know, how to teach those reads and stuff that, that he, he was able to, to show me the blueprint for. Well, the freedom, the full head of hair. But I also got to say, I mean, the Christmas sweater game was insane this year, Coach. I mean, what's your favorite Christmas sweater that you brought out this season? And how many do you have? Well, I, I, I have collected I have a collection now of over 20. Um, <laughs> and I will say my favorite one this year was my happy Kwanzaa one because I don't think Kwanzaa gets enough play. There you go. Uh, but but overall, I you know, my wife accused me one year of not having enough holiday spirit. So this is my way of kind of one-upping that comment. And, and now people think that I love Christmas, which I do. I love the, the spirit that people, that the happiness that people bring. And, and the Christmas sweaters happens to bring up a lot of that conversation, and I love it. No one can ever accuse you of not having enough spirit ever again. You have over 20 Christmas sweaters. Nobody can ever say that about you once again. It's Grant Leonard, Queens men's basketball coach, here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Go check out this game tomorrow night. It's at the Levine Center here at home, Central Arkansas, coming into town and Queens brings their 12 and five record to the court an awesome product too. If you like fun basketball, this has always been the product up and down as a track meet, a lot of made shots, high level intensity defense. So come out and check out Queens men's basketball tomorrow. We appreciate the time coach. Good luck tomorrow. Thanks coach. Thanks Walker. Great. Bye. Appreciate that once again from Grant Leonard joining us here. And it's a lot of fun to watch them. Um, that jump from division one. How crazy is that? Your first year ever becoming a head coach, right? Like a recruiting coordinator, assistant coach, associate head coach last season with an extremely accomplished guy like Bart Lundy who takes that job at Milwaukee. And not only do you have to be a first-year head coach, but you have to do it going through this jump. And also, you're winning basketball games. I mean, you're lost to Nebraska, a Power 5 school, only by 10 points. They come back against Marshall. Second halves, you've seen, I think, maybe three or four double-digit comebacks this season against some really good group of five schools that have all the talent in the world. I have to imagine that's a really tough situation, and he's doing a really good job at it. I mean, no doubt. He's come in, like you said, got the job done and got this program headed in the right direction. I'm loving that. You know what I'm saying? Might have to add that to the teams that I tip from, you know, from the city. But that's an outstanding job, man, and he's just getting in there and, like, he wants his players to just go out there and hoop. He's just going out there and coaching, man, no matter who's on the other side. That freedom's cool because because Bart would, would oftentimes call those plays and they would run into perfection. I mean, they, they experienced like five losses at most a year. I mean, maybe maybe seven the last couple of seasons, but they would get pretty far in the tournament. And uh, to allow his guys to have that freedom, it's an interesting, somewhat difference in philosophy. Well, I think one thing, too, a good word that you bring up is freedom. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's probably having a good time in coaching this team, because he does have the freedom coming in as your first year as a mm -hmm. coach. And you guys are moving up from D2 to D1. Nobody's expecting you to come out and be successful. So you can really just go out there and do what it is you want to do with no pressure. So that's a good choice of words. If you like good 
uh, a good product if you like good college basketball go check it out again Levine Center 7 p.m. tip time tomorrow the Charlotte Hornets not as successful as Queens men's basketball this season they lose again and we were joking about it in the pre-show mm-hmm. how many times that usually is on the get off the bus category Hornets lose again again in all caps by one Josh Fitty Marlowe here and there's no doubt about it close game going into the fourth quarter against a team that also has not lived up to their preseason expectations. This is honestly one of the few teams in the NBA that is in the same neighborhood as the Hornets, where you're looking at a play-in, playoff scenario, up-and-coming team too, OG Ananobi, awesome year, Fred Van Vliet, someone that was getting a lot of love last season, Pascal Siakam still has performed really well. Just the, the wins aren't coming their way. I, I think some of this is because of a little bit of a lackluster sophomore campaign from your rookie of the year award yeah, winner Scotty and Scotty B. Barnes. And, and he was awesome last season. It just hasn't quite come the way of, of Toronto. Fourth quarter, they separate themselves. And Steve Clifford, very angry um, afterward because they got out physical. We can play that sound bite a little bit later on. What did you make of this game last Yeah, night? I mean, down the stretch, like I said, Toronto's just hitting all the threes. The defense is just lacking. It's like the Hornets just pick and choose when they want to play defense, but Toronto hit a season-best 20 threes. And like I said, they hit some timely ones down the stretch when the Hornets finally decided, well, they play with urgency for a, a most of the game, but at the end when they really yeah. felt like, okay, we need to try to turn it on and get it, Toronto, Gary Trent started canning threes. They got beat on the boards, you know. So Toronto had 18 offensive rebounds, 20-second chance points. All that spells a recipe for L. So we are getting conflicting reports about some player interest around the league. We had Sham Sharania of The Athletic. He put out there yesterday that the Phoenix Suns have inquired about Jalen McDaniels and how other teams have also inquired about the young power forward, a former second round pick. But then I forget who it was that refuted that Fiddy, somebody that you know from Arizona sports radio, John Gambadoro. Thank you. John Gambadoro. He said that that actually isn't true. He reported and refuted the original report from Sharania saying, no Suns have not reached out to the Charlotte Hornets about this, but here is the uh, soundbite from Shams talking about Jalen McDaniels. There's been increasing interest in Charlotte Hornets forward Jalen McDaniels around the league as a potential trade candidate. Uh, Sources tell me that the Suns have emerged as a team with interest in McDaniels among several others in recent weeks. And McDaniels is a player who makes sense for the Suns as a target in a potential Jay Crowder three-team deal. This is a 6'9 wing two-way player who's having a career year averaging nearly 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, defends multiple positions, makes over 1-3 a game, and he's a favorite of their new coach Steve Clifford, a good developmental success story of Mitch Kupchak. So there are rival teams monitoring his status ahead of unrestricted free agency this upcoming offseason where he's going to be a sought-after free agent coming up here. What made you laugh in that soundbite, Fiddy? You were laughing at his breakdown of Jalen McDaniels. What was it? No, I was laughing at Wes because Wes like mumbled something under his breath. Yeah, oh, I, I I'm like, how many, times I, is Chris, how many times is Jay Crowder going to get traded? <laughs> like, that's what he said, Jay Crowder. I said, good Lord, how many teams is he going to play for? <laughs> It's like every other season, he's with a new team. He's not even playing right now. I mean, now. I know he's like, right. as long as I get the check, it doesn't matter. But I'm like, God, I get tired. And he and Jay Crowder, for some reason, is always like coveted. Like, people want him like that, but he's always on a different team. I, I don't understand it. That, that was a thing. Almighty. Yeah, that was the thing when he said about Crowder. But no, I, I could see teams being interested in Jalen McDaniels. He's a player that's 
you know, steadily improving. Uh, you know, he's been on a double-digit tear as of late. He's having a career year as far as points per game. And he's a young guy and, a you know, nice. He can shoot yeah. the three. Yeah, it, it's funny. It sounds a lot like a guy that maybe the Hornets could use in right. the future. Yeah. You know? I mean, here we are talking about the possibility of Charlotte being a seller at the trade deadline. If they trade away McDaniels, I'm going to freak. Why? No, no. I'm, I'm like, why would you do that? I'm agreeing with you. It sounded like I was disagreeing. Why? I'm agreeing. Why? <laughs> I sound like Josh Finney Barlow when he gets upset. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a real big bird now. <laughs> why? I, I don't know. If, if you trade a guy that is going to get paid, he's going to get a contract that is well-earned, but it's not going to be breaking the bank. I mean, how much Cody Martin got eight million dollars a year last season to come back with the Hornets. And I thought it was a very fair deal. Mm. McDaniels, what with the salary cap rise? Are we talking about 10, 11 million a year? I think he'd be worth it, especially defensively, especially defensively and the ability to hit threes. And you know what? He's really malleable within an offense like he's not calling for the ball. I mean, this is someone that can shoot threes. He's connecting. He's not he's not giving you a high usage percentage. Of course, Phoenix is interested. If this report is true and it's not just agent fed, which, you know, very well could be. If other teams are interested, yeah, because they see the interest in having a guy that's not going to break the bank and that can fit with really any team. Every NBA franchise wants a 6'10 guy that plays on the perimeter, that has 110% motor, that has a long wingspan, that can shoot threes, that runs in transition. Of course. And so, yeah, I'm going to be mad. If if it's not a sweetener to a deal that brings in an awesome return, fine. All of the times you talk about a trade, it's it's under the caveat of what you're getting back. But if you're just selling Jalen McDaniels to sell, nah, man. Like that, Terry Rozier on that contract, fine. Gordon Hayward, cool. Even PJ. I love PJ, probably more than others. But if you're not going to pay PJ Washington because he's going to call for 15 to 17, maybe 20 max, and you don't want to pay him, okay, fine. But Jalen, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And there's been no report about Charlotte wanting to get rid of Jalen, so it's not like we need to focus all of our bad attention towards the front office on that front, but it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. Do you think he's going to be priced out as far as just... <clears throat> I, I would imagine so. I could see the Hornets want to keep him as a rotational player, right? but do you think other teams may want to pay him more than that? I don't think so. I, I don't think... Again, I don't think he's going to make a ton of money, and I think the contract will be well worth his services. It's why I want him here. There's just too much about him in a Hornets uniform that makes sense. All right, let's get to the first Fitty Flash of the day very quickly. What you got for us, Fitty? Some big news coming out of Charlotte FC as they sign 26-year-old forward Enzo Capetti, which sounds like a great dish name at a great Italian like a Ferrari restaurant or, or, or that. Okay, Ferrari, good Italian food, well, absolutely. Enzo is a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Um, Back to the Enzo and the Enzo. Well, Enzo Ferrari is the maker of Ferrari. There you go. I know that because of my son. Anyway, Ferrari. he scored 31 <laughs> goals with 8 assists and 96, appearing, uh, 96 appearances for a racing club, which was the second most popular club in the country of Argentina, so we played on a very prestigious club. He had 21 goals and 46 appearances in the last season. The biggest news in regards in regards to him joining Charlotte FC, he's going to become their striker. Going to put Carol Swiderski behind him. So now, really, two guys at, at the four at, at the top of the lineup, you know, can put the ball in the back of the onion bag. 
I know all of this because Willie P called me this morning to tell me all this <laughs> yeah, information. Thank you. I was about to say, an excellent breakdown. You said, you know, can put it in the back of the onion bag. And honestly, I didn't know that. I didn't know an Is onion bag. Is that what Willie P called it? The onion bag? Is that what he called it? That's what Matt calls it. Okay. And, and so since I'm short and fat like Mac, I like to call it an onion bag too. Okay. I didn't know that was the reason you did that, but fair enough. Sounds like we need Willie P on to break it all down. We can do that maybe later in the week or hey, next week. Trust me, he's pining. Oh, I'm ready you for want, it. I, I can come on. <laughs> Let's do it later on. It's Campus Corner coming up next. Weston Walker. And then we'll get into some heavy Panthers discussion later on. We'll give you a profile on Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen in the candidate mix, as well as Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator. We'll give you a profile on him at 2 p.m. Right now, let's visit the campus corner and discuss this North Carolina loss to Virginia. The big story here in the 65-58 loss is that Armando Baycott left in really just the second minute of play in this contest. And after that, they were not able to turn it. Well, they actually were winning for a while, and then at the end, Virginia was able to separate themselves. But Armando Baycott did not return after he left in the second minute. Here's head coach Hubert Davis discussing Armando's injury. I haven't talked to him after the game. I mean, I know he's hurt pretty bad. I didn't see the play. Uh, I just saw him on the ground, and he was in a lot of pain. I know that he's really in a lot of pain because in those situations throughout his career, he usually gets back out there on the floor. So I'll talk with uh, Doug Halverson, our trainer, and see how serious it is. But uh, I didn't see the play. I just saw him on the ground. The writer for Heel Tough Blog and the host of Four Corners Podcast, Josh Fitty Marlowe, seeing Armando Baycott continue to battle some of these injuries. How worried are you about his season, and how worried are you about North Carolina after the loss to Virginia not being able to pull it, um, pull out the victory, and not having won on that floor since 2012? Uh, if this something, if this is going to cause him to miss a lot of time, we got to start talking about this team potentially missing the tournament because they don't have. They're not tough enough to overcome his absence. And that was my biggest problem last night. They were in the game. They led for 16 minutes. You have two guards that are more than capable of being the two best players on the court. And last night, they weren't able to do that. You don't have a lot of front court depth anyway right now with Will Shaver out for the year. Pete Nance has a quote-unquote sore back. And Jalen Washington is a freshman. That's not enough to get the job done if your other guys aren't capable of stepping up. And that's, that's what it's going to take if he's going to miss an adequate amount of time. Jalen Washington played well last night, a real bright spot, but still coming up with the loss. Wes, do you think it's an overreaction from Fiddy to say if Armando misses a significant amount of time, we're talking about the possibility of missing the tournament? Or do you think that's spot on? No, I think he's on point because, like I said, last night you look at the game in the second half, Virginia shot 53%. But Caleb Love, man, 4-13, 13 points. He had five assists, but he had four turnovers. R.J. Davis had four turnovers. But this starting backcourt had a combined six assists and eight turnovers, okay? And Virginia used that to get a 10-2 advantage 
on fast break points. And in a game of that magnitude, possessions are limited with the way Virginia plays defense. I thought about you guys uh, with my shot clock stat yesterday when Carolina had a couple of shot clock violations. But, no, man, this backcourt is just proving that the longer they've been there, they haven't learned a lot. And R.J. Davis, you know, he seems more sound and a better decision maker than Caleb Love. But Caleb Love with the bad shots, he still doesn't want to play an efficient brand of basketball. And I think that's going to hurt them uh, down the stretch. These guys have been in Carolina too long. They're two seasons. We know college basketball, especially in a tournament, is all about how good your backcourt is going to play. Or that's a major piece. And when you have two guys that have been there as long as these two, and, and especially Caleb Love playing the way he's playing, no, they, they won't. Jay from Mount Holly wrote in, I'm sorry, you were the number one team in the nation coming in. You now have six losses. One injury can't make or break your season. Jack wrote in, is it just me or is Caleb Love ice cold? Shaking my head, and then the next 704 number wrote in, Caleb Love is a liability if he isn't hitting shots. What is your reaction to the Caleb Love criticism, as well as one injury can't make or break your season? I mean, when it comes to Caleb, this is this is who he is. He is a, a even he's a volume shooter. He's a volume scorer. That's a nice way of saying he's an inefficient basketball player. Yep. When the ball goes in, you live with it. When the ball doesn't go in, you die with it. You die with it. And the, the problem last night was that when he got hot, he brought Carolina back and gave them a chance to win the game. It, it's, it's not his shot making that I think I get frustrated with. It's like it's what West pointed out. Your backcourt had eight turnovers in a game on the road with limited possessions. You have to value the basketball more than you did last night. 13 turnovers were just too much. That led to 19 points for the Wahoos. Let me throw in my Mountain Dew bottle at my television. <laughs> so, you do have the best defensive backcourt possibly in the country with Reese Beekman and Kihei Clark, but you're right. It doesn't matter. You are Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, one of the better backcourts in all the country coming in, and yet you turn it over that many times. Do you think they're overrated coming in, especially with the way Caleb Love is playing? Yeah, no doubt, because you felt like coming into this season, the narrative was revenge for Carolina and that they were going to get payback and just assault college basketball all season long. And and you felt like the general progression of college players, the longer they get better. I mean, the longer they're in school, the better they get. And so we see flashes with R.J. Davis where he can take over some games sometimes like he did against my Deeks. But at the end of the day, he had four turnovers last night. And then Kayla Love, you can't afford to sit around and wait for him to get hot every night. And that's the aggravating part about him. And then he takes just wild shots. And he takes shots as if he doesn't have a backup behind him that can take his place, which he doesn't at this point, unless Tremble comes in and they just decide to play now. him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying he shoots the ball as if he's not worried about sitting on the bench. And so, uh, you know, that's the tough part about Caleb, man. And like I said, if you're Carolina, you cannot wait for him to, to, to sit around and take bad shot after bad shot. And then all of a sudden he gets hot, man, because you're going to run into teams that are going to get up on you by too much for you to be able to overcome that. It's Wesson Walker watching North Carolina lose last night to Virginia. We could talk a little bit more later on. because All your fault. A lot of, whose fault is it? My fault? Yeah, remember I told you that if they lost, I was going to blame you. Oh, yeah, because you picked I forgot them. about that. Yeah, yeah, because I picked it. Now there's some kind and of. I picked Virginia. Yeah. Both of you guys. Was, uh, All right. 
Was your girlfriend talking smack last night? Well, I told her that you might have a message for her if they indeed win, Carolina, if they won. But they lost, and you lost again to the Cavs, man. It's unfortunate. How It's got to hurt with this team more so than other programs because you hate them so much outside oh, of NC State. And I, I, I mean, the, the, the vitriol, <laughs> like the, the, the second I see Tony Bennett, yeah. it's just immediate 30-minute cussing tirade. I hate him. And he's the nicest guy in the world. The fact that you were sitting right beside him amongst all of his niceness and you couldn't say a word in ACC Media Day, I have to imagine you just went home and had to burst 30 minutes saying, no, I hate him. And then you just were cursing in the living room standing there by yourself. It was the (laughs) highest level of professionalism I have ever displayed in my entire career in radio. We did get to see it that one time and it's been all downhill ever since. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7. Plenty more to come on uh, WFNZ.